Hey y'all, it's your girl at Joy Leah, and welcome to my podcast, Backstage with Joy Leah. Today, we are going to be talking to the author, the business owner, Mr. G. Smalls, and we're going to be talking about his book. We're going to have some hot topics, really, really hot topics about being on the scene. And um, we're going to kind of get into this show like really quickly, y'all, because this is going to be some interesting conversation. I ain't even going to, you know, t- tell it all, but y'all just sit back. And again, thank you for listening to Backstage with Joy Leah. y'all again welcome to backstage with joy leah today again i'm telling y'all this gonna be a good show okay y'all gotta you know sit back and ride this wave with me right here we're gonna be talking to mr g smalls about his wonderful book black enough man enough we're gonna be talking about everything that he got going on in his world and um we're gonna have some topics that I think going to be very interesting today. So, um, again, like I said, ride this wave with me, y'all. And welcome to Backstage, Mr. G. Smalls. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited that you have taken your time out to have this conversation with me, my brother, because... Um, I think it's a conversation that's much needed. Your book is great. It's a very, very much read type of situation here that I believe, you know, any man, black, white, you know, it's it's very, very interesting what you have to say here in um, Black Enough, Man Enough. So, G, thank you. Tell, Tell me about yourself. Tell us about yourself. I mean, I don't know. Where do I begin? I guess I can tell you what the book is about. Yes, yes. Because the book is about you. Yes, it's a memoir. It's about 40 years of my life as a mixed-race black man and also also as a sexually fluid black man. Uh, And a lot of people ask, you know, what does it really mean to be sexually fluid? But throughout my life, I've had different phases in my sexuality where it's it's been fluid. I've been attracted to both men and women. Um, I've been attracted to trans men or trans women. Um, I've just uh, been attracted to all. And so that's why I label myself as fluid. And so I've spent most of my life, um, especially early on, always trying to prove my blackness. Okay. Uh, Growing up with a white mom um, and a black dad in a predominantly black neighborhood around my black side of the family and Gullah Geechee culture at that. Always trying to prove my blackness. You know, and in the South, especially where I'm from, you're black or you're white. And if you are black, most people in Gullah Geechee culture, where I'm from, they're dark, dark skinned. Right. So even, you don't even see any light skinned men out, you know? Right. And so, you know, just what that experience was like and um, me being attracted to both men and women and, you know, ended up marrying my high school sweetheart and having a son and getting divorced and now I'm married to my husband at the past. 13 years and what that journey was like and um, 
basically a, a it's a book about self love mm-hmm. and, and self worth and what that journey was like for you. Yeah, um, I noticed in the book you went real deep in your details and your visual. I would say mm-hmm. when you explain situations and when you explain stuff, it's like you you are standing there. You know. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's very it's very vulnerable and it's very transparent. So I try to give people as much of me as I can in each situation. So um one, for the most part, a lot of people are gonna relate. Because right. I believe it's just a lot of human stuff that we all go through. Um, and just like you said, if you feel like you're in that room and you really experiencing those things. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, growing up mixed race and you start your book you know, with that, with you and your sister and everything, you know, how was it to, you know, deal with, I would say, your other half of the family and and, and how and how does and how is that situation, you know, I would say today? Okay, that's a good question. So um my mom left home when she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she met my dad maybe around 18 or 19. And my mom was already had a strange relationship with her family, so she was not very close with them. Uh, And she also knew that they were very racist. Uh, So when she started dating my dad, she hid that from him. Uh When she got pregnant with my sister prior to her and my dad getting married, she hid that as well. And so when my sister was born, you know, most mixed-race kids, when they first born, you know, they might be able to quote unquote pass, if you will, <laughs> uh, because you know, you know, for yeah. people that that color don't get in there. Yeah, <laughs> so later on, you know, <laughs> so later on, unless you look at their ears and their cuticles, anything to say, right? <laughs> but uh, so she, she ended up, uh, you know, taking my my sister over to her mom's house, not even you know, telling her that my child, my sister was black, and they didn't realize at all, right? Um, until. Her brother, who did know, come in and made a big announcement about it. And so right. At that point, they disowned my mom for having a black family, for having a black child. And so we were just, my mom's mom disowned us for at least until I was probably in middle school, maybe, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they started trying to repair their relationship. But for me, I would see them every now and again. We visited them before you know, a summer vacation and stuff like that. But I never really felt like they were family. I never okay. felt like she was my grandmother. Right. Um, it was, I always called her Marie. That was her name. I didn't call her by, I didn't call her grandma or anything like that because she just didn't, didn't have that relationship. But it was, it was always very weird to me. Uh, but now today, I mean, um, my grandmother has since passed. Before she passed, I mean, we were, I wouldn't say we were in little bad terms, but, you know, I knew who she was, she knew who I was, and, we would laugh together when she came around, the case may be, but there was just never a close relationship. So I don't know if, if I realize that I've spent a lot of my life uh, maybe resenting her for uh-huh. not embracing me as a grandson. Right. Um, but I, I think I eventually got over that. Um, and so I really have, like, no feelings for her. You know, when, right. she, when, when she died, I didn't even go to the funeral. My mom didn't even ask us to come to the funeral. It's just... That's yeah. just who they were. You know? Yeah. That was my grand my grandmother on paper, if you will. Right. But no emotional attachment at all. Right. They basically, um, the respect of 
giving your mother life and you having life. Uh-huh. And, and that's, you know, very um, understandable in that situation. I've, I've always kind of wondered about that because, you know, you grow up with um, kids that's like that, but you never really get to sit down and ask them, how yeah. was it, you know, in yeah. that situation? It's a, it's, a, it's a weird place to be, I mean, because, you know, while my white family rejected me from the door, there was never any attachment there. Um, my black family embraced me, right. although I was always known that I was different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. My black community embraced me, but I always knew I was different. Right, you know? yeah. And I always knew that I was not all the way black. <laughs> <laughs> not all, you said not all the way black. Not all the way black. But, not all the way black. I mean, but not even not all the way black. You, um, at an early age, knew, you know, that you were different and that, you know, you wanted to, I would say, live your life the way, you know, even though you went the way you did go at first being young, which, you know, people do because they listen to what people have to say and, you know, that's the way to go. But you, you kind of knew. Yeah, so I mean, I, I've always known I was different. I've always known I was, yeah, I will tell you, so I also started puberty really late in my um, in my teens, right? So I, sex was always something that was, I, I, I later started Experiment. to desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had had some sexual trauma when I was younger, didn't re- not realizing that was having effects on me, if you will, but I had always, I didn't really realize I liked, was attracted to guys until probably my later teen years. But I had always been considered attracted, you know, myself attracted to, to, to females. To females, right. Although everybody would call me faggot and gay because I was, I was, you, uh, I had feminine mannerisms. Right. Yeah, and I wasn't all masculine and boyish. And I would, I would, but I would never relate to it. But it wasn't until my, my late teens is when I started to, um, realized that I was attracted to uh, men, especially after I moved away from uh, home and moved to Atlanta. They say something in the water. <laughs> in Atlanta. You're so <laughs> silly. It was over. Well, you know, that, that that is true. I ain't even going to lie. It, it it really is. And, and it, I wouldn't even just say it's something in the water. I just think it's a place where you can really see different things. And you know, the black person. Yes, like especially black people, yeah. right? What black people? Different types of black people, and all yes. types of black yes. people. And Atlanta exposed you to wealthy, you know, yes. you know, poor, you know. I mean, so many places that we can go at night. It, yeah. It's crazy, yeah. and you really can, you know, explore. I would mm-hmm. say, but even with that, let's let's talk a little bit about. You know, the in the book, the download situation because mm-hmm. did like I would say, did you think that was something that you was gonna you know like I would say really get into when you were younger, or you just because you said you was attracted to girls first, like was yeah. it like was it something to where you? 
you knew that you was going to get, you know, get into yeah, no, it. I, I knew I was going to live this double life. Yeah, I would say. Did you, like, yeah. did you think, like, no, nah, I'm going to be faithful at, you know, at first. Like, no, nah, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do this right. Yeah. Or. So, no, absolutely. <laughs> or you I knew. Had, no, I never had any intention of my life. Right. Um, for one. I had my first experience with a guy when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Me and my ex-wife had been together since I was 14, um, off and on until we got married. Um, and so one of those off experiences, if, if you will, I did explore uh, men. And I, let's just say this, I never wanted to be gay. I never wanted to be attracted to men. For one, I grew up believing that I was wrong and I was going to hell for it while I did not grew up in a religious household. We were right. grew up in a Christian household, and I knew faggots did not go to heaven. So I condemned myself for a long time and tried to pray my gay away That's for an extremely long time before I started to explore it. When I did start to explore it, I started really, really struggling with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I married my ex-wife, me and my ex-wife, had, like I said, been together since I was 14. I was in love with her. I loved her. Right. She was comfortable. Um, so there was a genuine relationship and a genuine love there. And I went into that relationship thinking of, or, or being uh, very uh, confident that I was going to be faithful in that relationship right, when right. it comes to dating other men or other women because I had never been a cheater. So, you know, I had never been a cheater. I never, and I knew that me and my ex-wife had a good relationship and, you know, I didn't think that that was going to happen. But after years later, after my son was born, um, I started struggling more and more with those feelings of being attracted mm. to men. Um, and long story short, I fell victim to, you know, being unfaithful to my ex-wife because I started, I wasn't, at least I didn't feel like I was able to stop those feelings and stop, you know, being able to express those feelings. And so I, at the end of our marriage, for maybe about six months, um, I did sleep with men on the side when I was traveling until I got to a point where I was dealing with the guilt so much that I felt like, look, if I'm going to be sleeping with men, even though I don't want to be gay or don't want to sleep with men, I have to at least deal with this on my own because I can't deal with having a, a wife and the guilt that comes along with that. So I had to leave her. So I left her, not right. telling her what I was struggling with, just telling her I was not, I didn't want to be married anymore, blah, blah, blah. And I left to deal with those struggles on my own and those sexuality struggles on my own. Uh, and so that's kind of like what my story was as far as living on the quote-unquote DL. Well, I would say that most people don't think like how you think. That's why this is a good book because you're explaining that and a lot of people would just live their lives like that. Like you've been married for 13 years now, I would say, with your new marriage. People are still, you know, been married since they was 20 yeah. <laughs> high school sweethearts, so many of them, yeah. and are really, really struggling. And we're 40 now and 45. Yeah. And, and how were you strong enough to say to yourself that I'm not going to, you know, stay in this relationship? That Like, to, to think about that is very That's, commendable, you know? like It is, and you know, I don't know. I had I've, I had always been a pretty I'm a very honest person. That's just who the core of my character is an honest person. Am I dishonest sometimes? Of course. 
You know, but that's not just not who the character of the person who I am. So I felt like that's why it was hard for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like being dishonest. Uh, but I can't say why I was able to do that. And there's so many men and women uh, that deal with things in the dark that they can't be able to break mm-hmm. their light. Um, I think that, you know, I've always been the type of person that um, I've always been the type of person very passionate about which one? Feeling free. Right. And Angry. getting over guilt and getting right. over things that I convict myself for. And I will say, once I was able to accept that it was not a sin and I was not going to hell right. because I liked men, right. that's when I was able to kind of change it. But And that was even after I left my, my ex-wife. But I will say that it is our society is still, even though we're a lot further, our society is still not narrow-minded, uh, and it's still not set up to yeah. support bisexual or gay black men. It's and not. and and I want to get into a little bit because in the book you kind of talk about that with the um the whole religious aspect and um mm-hmm. you know like what you just said about. Once you got over the fact that you, it's, we all sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, things, like, once you got over that and realized how much God loved you for you, regardless. You know what I'm saying? That was when you was really able to be free, I would say. And, you know, I think that goes with everything. It's not just sexuality. Like, we convict ourselves for so much. Yes. We don't have to. Yes. We don't really have to. And I feel like once we're able to, Realize that we can let go of so much, but when it comes to sexuality, I mean, sex is like the number one fucking thing. You know, we can dick ourselves, you know, we, we slut shame, Yes. We homosexual shame. Yes. You know, we do all those things. No, we do. Things. Like, even with the even with the Porsche thing. I mean, we, we really do condemn people because they don't do things like how you do things. Or, or would that, they ain't doing the shit that you want to do. <laughs> That let's let's keep it real, cause but you ain't free enough to do it. Exactly, and they peeping, they looking, they they want to hear about, it, and they want to talk about, it, and they want to condemn folks about it, or, you know, uh, say whatever they, but they don't want. It's like, but you want to do it too. That's the that's the part that is the funny part to me, because you said like what you said, you the, the freedom. You know, people trust me. People watching you and what you doing. And be like, shit, I wish I could be like that and open. And your your book really ex- kind of explains how you can get there. Because yeah. in, in a quicker way, you don't have to wait all these years. I mean, seriously. Yeah, you really don't. You really don't. It's, just, it's really about telling the truth about yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest part because most people don't want to tell the truth about themselves. Um, but once you're able to tell the truth about yourself, then you're able to face it, and then you're able to realize why that's true about yourself. Like, we go into relationships, and we see the same patterns in the relationships because we don't want to admit the truth about ourselves, but, you know, every relationship is going to show you yourself over and over again. <laughs> that's why we always typically meet the same type of people because we're not looking at our own shit. Yep. Once you look at your own shit <laughs> and find out the truth about yourself, you can grow. Right. You can release yourself and be free. Right, and... I mean, right now, you you are in a successful relationship, mm-hmm. I would say. You have much success with what you guys got going on, you know, partnership-wise. Mm-hmm. And do you do you 
believe that because you were open and did your own thing, figured what everything that you had going out, that's what made you be able to really, because you said you weren't a cheater. Whoever you was going to be with, you was going to be right to, meaning find yeah. your soulmate, I would say. like. Yeah. So, I mean, the question is, how did I make it last as long? Basically? Yeah, that too. We gonna, that yeah. too, but how did you find your soul? Like, you found them, you knew it was, this is what you wanted to do, and you've been blessed. So, like, like, do you believe because you became free, that's what made that happen, or was, you know, what what was it? Well, I mean, I think that, um, I think that's a part of it. Um, I, you know, like I go back to telling the truth about yourself and being honest with people. Um, I think that I my relationship with my husband has allowed me to even be more freer and more honest with myself uh, because my relationship has really shown me a lot of things about myself and has challenged me. Uh, my husband is also a very open person, um, and he also provides a, a safe space for me to not be perfect and learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's been very helpful. But, I mean, I feel like, I think what what works for me best is my intention. Like, I always believe that if I set myself out with always leading with good intention and truthful intention, then it's going to be blessed. It's going to be blessed um, in whatever way that I did. So I feel like as long as I keep walking with that good intention, and that was like, again, going back to being with my ex-wife and living that that dark life and cheating Mm. on her, I was leading with bad intention. I kept continuing to feel that I wanted to. Yeah, I could continue to do that if I wanted to have a life of abundance. Right. You know? And so I have to be able to leave with good intention so I can I can be on that path. That that's that is very true. And with with people and black people being on the down low or whatever like that, do you I think that's probably why they fall into certain traps. Like you said, they can't really live their life abundantly and do things great as they would do because they're doing a double life and they're not being true to themselves. How, how do they get, how do you think they can really get themselves out of that situation? Well, one, I want to say that white people be on the DL too, but this yeah, DL yeah, concept, yes. But you know, this DL concept has been painted as a black man. No, not even, you know not even. It's white. I know, I hold, every I culture. You're right. Outside of this, not even outside. I mean, outside of the conversation between you and I, over the years, DL has been painted as a black man. I think that's that's true. Part of society bringing black men down. Like black men are the only one who are that's on the DL, men. right? Yeah, but you know, all of these white men are doing it, but they don't <laughs> call it. Oh, he on the DL. You know what I'm saying? That's just another way to paint us in this bad, this bad light. You know, and actually, the DL. R. Kelly created that shit. I know. And it didn't even he wasn't even dating men. He, he was. Wasn't even yeah. Man, man. He, it was Mr. Biggs. Look, it was Francie. Look, it was Francie and Mr. Biggs. He on the D- It wasn't even. You're right. But you are right. They do paint it as it's only a black thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So let me tell you. Let me tell you. So I think it's a collective community responsibility when it comes to. Uh, making it safe for all of us just to completely be who we are, right? Mm-hmm. You asked me the question on how do we get some of these men that aren't able to be honest about themselves and being attracted to other men? How do we get them to get on the other side? First, I, I, I feel like the root of a 
the root of the reason why we are this way is because of religion. You know, religion is very, very strong in our community. Um, and I think that that's been the reason why it's hold us back in a lot of ways. And I think when it comes to sexuality, that's one of those strong ways. I mean, so I think for one, I went to therapy as well. So let me bring that up. Mm. I went to ther- I started going to therapy at age 23 years old. Wow. And I, and I still go to therapy to this day. If I had not went to therapy, I can't say that I would have been able to be so free. So my first step would be to recommend that these brothers go to see a therapist. They don't even have to tell nobody they're going to see. Right. You're you know right. It's go your business. You on your own. Find a person you can be completely honest with so you are able to work out those feelings. Because if you just keep balling them in, it's going to eat you up inside. It's going to make you make decisions that you don't want to make. And so I feel like being able to express that to someone, hopefully a therapist, is uh, the the, uh, very necessary way to be able to be completely honest with yourself. And I say, even if you're not able to be honest with the person you're with, if you're seeing a a young lady, leave her. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, keep it real. Leave her. Like, I mean, you're... I wish I was able to be honest enough for my ex-wife to say, hey, I need to be by myself because I'm dealing with sexuality struggles. Not every I wasn't able to say that to her. A lot of people aren't going to be able to say that. But you can make up something. To, and it might not, you might not be able to tell them the truth, but it will be beneficial for you just to leave them alone so you can deal with this shit on your own. Right. And I will say there are a lot of women out there. I know it's kind of hard to have been with my ex-wife. When I was, since I was 14, I, when I left her, I was not able to, to let her know that I was having sexuality struggles. I had met a woman maybe six months after leaving her, and I told her right away that I was, I'm attracted to men and women and I'm struggling. So I understand sometimes it's harder to tell the people that have known you forever right. the truth about yourself. But there are plenty of women out there that you can tell that you like men and women, and some women will be okay with that. But it's much easier to tell a stranger sometimes than it is to tell like somebody you know for a long time. So I would say you know, thing is to just leave, leave. You can. Just like you leave said, you and you said you didn't even have to tell at first. Like I didn't, you know, I just, I just said she didn't. She was confused. She didn't understand it. She didn't think we could get divorced. Yes, we had some issues, and yes. Keep in mind, we were also only 23 at the time, so right. we had no business getting married anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I left. But I will say something that we can do as a community, something that we can do as um, non, I mean, something we can do as straight people, straight black people, straight women, straight men, is to make it comfortable for guys like us to be uh, ourselves. Right. You know, if we're constantly, we very early in barbershops, we hear that about faggots and, you know, men that are sissies and punks and blah, blah, blah. Like we hear that we're not going to be loved from a very young age. If we stop having that type of dialogue, it will be safer for us to feel like we can't be ourselves with our brothers and sisters. If sisters, even when you meet these new men, if you're going into a new date uh, and you want to find out if they have, uh, if they're attracted to men or not, you can't approach it negatively like, you ain't on the DL, are you? You ain't, you ain't yeah. even talking about the bully, are you? No, no, you, like, no but you're, you're right. Open to yeah. No, it's just a conversation like, hey, have you been attracted to a man before? You know, or whatever. Make it comfortable. Right. Make it feel like it's still going to be okay if I tell you that, yes, I'm attracted to a man, that you're not going to start. You might not want to date me anymore, and okay, but that doesn't mean that you need to tip or make me feel like less than either. So I feel like if we kind of 
kind of all have a responsibility and you know stop the, right. the, the shaming and the I think it would help us be more safe. And actually, some of these women out here that don't got nobody, they'll have somebody if they could be more understanding, like you yeah. said, and open. Because between me and you, it's not just, I don't think it's just men on the down low. It got to be women on the down low, too. Well, like, there's definitely women it, on the down low, but it's, it's just not as. It's not seen as, as, you know, it's not as bad as two men. It's like lesbians don't get much flack as, you know, two gay men or, you know, a threesome situation. Right, with two, two girls, it's okay. And, right. Right, or you could be, like you say, on the housewives and have a good stripper party with the girls. And yes, fun, and, and be kissing. Boy. But if it was the other way around, oh, blasphemy. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. I mean, it's it's not even, so. and it, it it's yeah. it, it's always been like that, you know. And because yeah. sometimes you know women don't get enough slack when it comes to certain things, but you you can see how sometimes women may feel because when it comes to like you just said about the housewife, it's okay for the women to do it, but if yeah. men do it, it's a problem. I mean that yeah, that's it's a problem. We we can fix. We so there was actually this morning there was a, I, I saw online Miss Shanika and Young Jock shout out you know they have a radio show and they had a situation on there um, where this couple was getting married um, and they were having a heart to heart revealing everything about themselves and just really connecting mm-hmm. and the the fiance the male fiance revealed to his fiance that he had been molested by an older male cousin. When he was younger for quite some time, uh-huh. and he eventually started feeling aroused by homosexual behavior because of that experience. And she ended up leaving him because she could not deal with the fact that he could be aroused by uh, homosexual experiences because of the fact that he was molested or the case may be. But she ended up leaving him. But, you know, I don't think, I wonder, and Michelle Nika had said, that she doesn't feel like she would have left him. Yeah. She had some compassion. But she definitely would have probably needed some therapy to help kind of work through it. And this one particular woman was like, I cannot deal with the fact that down the line you may possibly succumb to these homosexual attractions. Um, and I think that that's kind of sad that we, especially in that situation, but even to go beyond the trauma, the sexual trauma this, this man experienced, even to be so, um, have such judgment with men that are bisexual and not being able to right. even date a bisexual man. That's crazy. Um, I, mean, I, I get it. But then I also be like, man, why is no. that such a horrible thing? Or why does that make you feel so insecure? That you can't that be with the person. You can't be with, but, there's the potential that he can sleep with another woman. And, and it's okay with that. <laughs> no, for real. Chances are he definitely is. But you know what? I would say this. Our generation would probably be the last generation of thinking like that because my daughter and her friends... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have all type of experiences, and I'm learning yeah. these teenagers, and they're a little bit more open to the fact that 
what we did, we you did it as a teen. In your book, you talk about it a little bit. We every girl kissed a girl. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, but now that we grown, we trying to act like we didn't yeah. have the same experience in some type of way. That guy explains it. He, you may not have been molested, but you may have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you and know, you, you know, it's like kissing cousins. You and and you liked it. Boys, let me tell you, I played with plenty of straight boys as a young child, and they are straight today. I don't even, it didn't have anything to the fact that they were gay. They just as children exploring yes. sexuality, it, you know, no. they allowed to feel that. And, and what's so crazy is that they do it at these sleepovers. They, this stuff happens. They do it at school. They do it in whatever. It's regular experiences that happen. But like you said, th- now they they grew up and they're straight or whatever they are. Yeah. And the only difference is they're not telling anybody about it. But what? So many women are married to these type of men. So I don't get, yeah. like you just said, how it will be an issue. He was just being open to letting her know what's going on. What What is the issue? What is the issue? Well, I let would... me tell you, I was on this panel one time about this, right? And I asked this woman the same question. What is it that is so bad or so, what is your thought process when it comes to your potential that you're getting a bisexual man? And she said, you know what it is, is that I can't fathom or I can't with disgust me. Oh because, you know, she would get this look on her face. <laughs> you know, kind of like a look of disgust. And I'm like, what is that? Because that, you know, a lot of women experience that. I'm right. Like, what is that? What are you thinking in your head that is making you feel that way? And she said, I just can't fathom the thought of my man being dominated by another man. Oh. She said, that's what she was. She said, I cannot, if you're dominating me, I can't, I can't fathom him being in that young and tender, what you consider feminine submission. I can't see them submitting. And that really, really turns me off or makes me feel insecure or whatever the case may be. At least that was her answer, and that was the most honest answer I felt like she thought she could give. Okay. Um, but I think that that's, there's probably a lot of truth in that um, because it's, even in the gay community, it's crazy. It's it's a lot of top men, which top men means that you don't like to be penetrated. You're the penetrator. And a lot of bottom men, a lot of bottom men don't like being with other men who also bottom for other men. That makes it feel like, oh, if you're going to top me, you can't let nobody else top you. And I really think it's just this male hierarchy thing. Right. You know, women are seen as less than, women are supposed to submit, women can't be dominant, blah, 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 and it, go, and it plays in the bedroom. Yeah. And that, that is that is true. And yeah. it could be also with you saying it like that, that's why some men are still on a download. They're not ready mm-hmm. to open up and and be submissive or explain there. Yeah, yeah. And even though, let's get it straight, not all sexual men are submissive. Not all women are submissive either. And right. I think as a society, if we stop these roles and what we're supposed to be, I always tell gay men all the time, like, oh, we can't get our relationships together, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Straight people are Harvey. Yes. It's hard at times playing feminine, feminine and male, and male roles. A man, a man is supposed to be the man of the house, is supposed to be the dominant one, and the woman is supposed to be the submissive, blah, blah. But what if you have a woman who's not a very submissive woman? She's more dominant. She's a hard she's woman. She's an alpha Why woman. And she's exactly, and you be a submissive dude and be okay with shutting the fuck up. Like, okay. <laughs> like, that is okay. And let me tell you, I'm going to give you, I know we're about to wrap up in a minute. I'm going to give you a little history of the, 
this whole, when it comes to some of the black women, black men, and being head of the household and yada, yada, yada. If you think about it, dating back to slavery days, black men never really had a place in the house. They really did. Because they were always working out in the fields yep. the white man. Mm-hmm. The black woman was the one who held the household together yep. always. When it came to taking care of the kids, when it came to anything responsible. When household, every dollar you, you know, brought in the house, damn near. Like, exactly. And the man's only duty was always to work. Always to work. Work, work. That's all they did was work. There wasn't any other part was work, work, work. So I think that plays a large part in our culture as well when it comes to our household and the strength of the black woman and where that comes from. Um, it's always been like that. Work. It's always been like that. And I think that we have to be honest about that. And let's figure out, okay, well, how to make this work instead of saying, you are supposed to be this way. Right. I am supposed to be this way. Even though I don't feel that way, I'm going to make myself that way. And let's try to make it work. This is how it's supposed to work. But no, you create your own rules. Yes. Your own dynamic in your relationships. And that's how you make that shit work and last. Is you create your own rules. And my husband and I have had our relationship last 13 years because... We make up our own rules mm-hmm. and what we want to do in our relationship and what's going to make us feel free and secure at the same time. And it's not a traditional relationship, but it works for us. And literally, like you said in your book, you need to embrace your sexual fluidity. I, I, how you explain that? Because if yeah. you embrace that in some type of way, you can kind of realize, like, find where you stand in this, I would say, culture, because it it, that it's so real how you just explain that. Yeah. And everybody wants everybody to play this role. And yeah. you just need to find your role and what works for you. Embrace your embrace your blackness. You know, embrace whatever you got going on and however you are and be okay with it. Right. That's kind of right. what I, you know, kind of took from your book. You got to be okay yeah. with being you. Yeah, Everything exactly. you got going on. You exactly. know? And that you know, that's really what we all are out here looking for in some type of way. Because a lot of us is in the closet, even not being gay. You know what I'm saying, and not being on down low. But let us know a little bit about you know how to get in contact with you, how to get this book. You know, yep. um, I got it on Amazon, but <laughs> yeah, so you can follow me at G Smalls, G E E S M A L L S on all platforms. And the book, Black Enough, Man Enough, is on Amazon. Uh, you can look it up by the title or my name. You can also go to gsmalls.com, G-E-E-S-M-A-L-L-S.com. Um, yeah, and that's how you, you can get in touch with me. That's how you can find me uh, at the restaurant. Yeah, I was about to say, don't forget about the restaurant. We can find you there cooking yeah, so up. We have, we have a restaurant called Virgil's Gullet Kitchen in uh, downtown College Park on Main Street. Um, it's authentic Gullah Geechee cuisine, the heart of soul food. So come check us out there too. And you'll be able to find that too from my social media. Yes. And the food is excellent. The chicken, uh, not the, the, um, the pork chop cutlets. Oh, the, oh my God, y'all, the, the greens. I mean, it just, I like Geechee food. So yeah, it's just yeah. great. And, and Geechee is, what is it? Is it African? What? It's, so Gichi is, is West African roots, yes. And so our ancestors were brought over from West Africa to grow rice in the marshlands over in Charleston and Savannah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were actually for a long period of time 
took control of the land because there was a huge drought. And so with that, they were able to preserve a lot of the African culture. So it's a big mix of African and American culture. Mm -hmm. It's the first Creole culture. So it's like seafood like, and all that. Seafood and rice and uh, fresh vegetables and, you know, all that stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. It's very similar to what you find in New Orleans because it is a Creole culture. Uh, but it's its own thing. Right, right. It's yep, a very, yep. very mixed race. I, I, I love it, y'all. Yep. And the, the dirty rice, I mean, it ain't even dirty. It, it, it's, it's red. It's like, it's sticky, oh, yicky, yeah, yicky. Yes, it's like, it's, it's yeah. delicious. It, 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 it's different, y'all. You got to be from yeah. there to really like it. But um, again, G, I really appreciate you being on my show and kind of explaining your story and everything that you have going on because... um. I know so many people that would like, you know, to be like you and not do it at 50. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. seriously, because yeah. there's people that's doing it now, that like my mom's friends. And it's like, yeah. damn, that's fucked. Excuse me, but that's yeah. messed yeah. up. Like, you know what? And, most, and, for the, and, and they're probably going to die that way. You know what I'm saying? Especially the old school people who grew up and, you know, I was at the cusp, I think, but. I mean, some of these 50s and 60s, yeah, because I meet a lot of gay men, they're still out to their family. They still live in a very secret Yes. In their 50s and 60s, but they still up there at the bars and clubs, but they can't be honest with their family. They can't be honest with their religion. And they will probably die that way just because, you know, they're a part of that generation, but that's just not what you did. And then when you did do it, you didn't talk about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? You didn't bring your man around. Or you didn't call him your man. That was just your daddy friend. Right. Your just, uncle. Look. Just, you know, your cousin, your uncle. <laughs> yeah. Friend. Exactly. That's it. That's, that's true. It. That's that's true. Like, I know my cousin just got married, and my grandmother didn't even come to the, you know, to the wedding. And she just got married to a girl, and and she's eighty some. And I'm like, you L I G, let it go. Like, like okay. for real. But she's so hard onto her roots that yeah. it's like you really stopped loving her. Like, come on, like come, like yeah. like it's it's certain things. It's just it really is crazy. But yeah. Um, yep. people I stuck with worried about folks. And I'm like, you know, all right, you know, I love my granny. Ain't nothing about to happen to us soon, but this folks going to be dead and gone and you still going to be worried and, you know, in a box. Right. That's crazy. Right. Let, let it hold you back from living your life. Yeah. That's true. But you really explained it today. I, I can't wait for other people, you know, to get in contact with you because I know they're going to probably have questions and stuff, especially mm -hmm. some of the young people. But you guys, again, thank you for being on my podcast. You can always You're contact welcome. me at Joy Leah on IG. You can follow me on Facebook, Joy underscore Leah. And you can always email me at joyleahp at gmail.com. Again, this is Backstage with Joy Leah. We had a wonderful time talking to Mr. G Smalls and his book, Black Enough, Man Enough. And again, thank you for being on my podcast tonight, G. You have a wonderful night, my man. Thank you, you too. All right. Thanks. All right, bye.